0: Parties and other amazing events. Visit milu.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit PhotographersEdit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we are back for a brand new episode with a brand new guest. Um, talking about a different twist on a a topic, which is having a team as a photography studio. We're going to get to that here in just a little bit, but I am joined today by Katie Devaney. Thank you, Katie, for being willing, kind of out of the blue, honestly, just to come and join us for a conversation on the podcast.
1: Of course, most definitely. It's good to be here.
0: I, I put an invite of sorts out quite some time ago, and you and I had the opportunity to kind of go back and forth a little bit via email, and first of all your your work, your studio's work is just beautiful. Uh, I'll go ahead and throw that out there and in fact, I will make note here too and of course, we'll link to this as we always do in the show notes at bocapodcast dot com but the instagram accounts be light photography, just like it sounds all one word, and then uh, be light fine art photography are the two instagram accounts, but just. Really, really beautiful work. Um, and, and I noticed maybe this, we can just kind of randomly start off with a, a question here that comes to mind for me. The difference or the reasoning for having two different Instagram accounts, what are your thoughts there?
1: Yeah, so I've actually gone back and forth with that a lot. If you notice and follow our both accounts, you'll notice that Be Light Photography gets a lot more action, daily posts, daily stories versus our Be Light Fine Art Photography which is our film photography account? I don't post as frequently. It, I used to want to separate the two so that it created two distinct brands. However, I've over the last year i have kind of merged the two together, and I started sharing more film work on our Be Light Photography account. So, if you do follow along, I recommend following the Be Light Photography account if you're just going to follow one or the other.
0: Sure. Well, and you know, to your credit, and, and anybody who's involved in the editing process there at your studio, there's quite a wonderful consistency in the processing. So I mean, if, if somebody's just to scroll through the Instagram account at just be Light photography, they'd be hard pressed probably to, to know whether or not you're it's a digital image with a preset or it's film photography, there's just wonderful consistency in the look and feel of the images.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's the goal. At the end of the day, we want our clients to get that Be Light Photography look. So that's definitely the goal.
0: That's cool. Well, again, we'll link to this in the show notes Be Light Photography on Instagram. And then uh, while we're on that conversation, com, the website as well, we'll link to that. But this is a great segue to my first normal question on the podcast these days, which has to do with brand position. You are in a a really crowded market, just when it comes to wedding photography, first of all, and even the southern market that you're in, Birmingham, correct?
1: Correct. Yes, we're in Birmingham. So
0: there are quite a few wedding photographers down this way. I say down this way because I'm only, I guess, about a couple hours from you in Chattanooga. But um, how do you set yourself apart? And more specifically, what is the brand position for your brand that makes you distinct from others?
1: Yeah. I would say our photography brand position is that we are a team of multiple photographers. Therefore, we can take, take on multiple bookings each weekend. We also offer both film and digital photography to capture all that the market is looking for. And just this past year, we brought on a videographer onto our team as well.
0: Wow. So they can kind of come to you for any and everything almost.
1: Yes, that, that is the goal.
0: And how, you know, we're going to actually get into how long it's taken for you to even get to this place where you have such a big team, you're able to offer such a wide variety of services. But the fact that somebody can come to you for all of the above uh, does make you quite distinct and unique. And um, if if somebody listening in, one of our listeners is curious about how to go about building a team like that, well, we're going to get into the details of that conversation here in just a little bit. But let me just jump to the next question for now. As a business owner, I'd be curious for you to share with our listeners one of the most important lessons that you've learned thus far, and maybe kind of preempt that with how long you've been in business.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I started my company in 2014. And I would say just like one of the things that I've really learned in it is just to always chase after your dream and not to hold back. If you have an idea and no one in the market is doing it, still go after it. When I was starting my company and kind of looking at bringing people on, at the time, there were very few companies that even had associates. And I couldn't find any in our area that had a model as we do today. However, it's been so rewarding building this team and being able to capture multiple weddings each weekend um, all over the globe.
0: So first of all, props to you for just going for it as you're recommending to our listeners. But the other thing I really have to highlight here, and it ties back to the first question, is looking at your local market and Seeing where there is a hole in that market, where there is a service that's not being offered, a type of photography that's not being offered, in this case, more specifically with regards to having a team of multiple photographers, and do that thing. Go for that thing. Because it's so easy these days for photographers to look at Instagram and to watch the webinars or take a course or go to a workshop and a conference and say, oh, I really like that. I'm going to do that thing. And just to follow another photographer, just because that seems like the cool thing to do, rather than looking at the opportunities in their local market, seeing what space has already been taken up by other photographers, the things that are already being done and kind of going the opposite direction. So I have a lot of respect for you for doing just that.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's definitely something that can be hard at times. But then once you dig into it and just do it, um, it's definitely rewarding.
0: Very cool. Okay. Well then talk to me about time because I mean, you seem to have quite the thriving business and relatively busy. I mean, not only do you have a business, but then you have a team of photographers to oversee, to manage. It seems like there's a lot going on. How do you, despite that, kind of create time for yourself and for any of the important people in your life that you want to make time for? Do you have a a technique for time, if you will?
1: Yeah, I would say definitely make sure you have a good work-life balance. Since I work a lot of weekends with weddings, I make sure to take days off during the week. In the early years of starting my company, I was really bad at this. Working till 1 a.m. was normal for me. And I was so consumed with work that I let a lot of my relationships go to the side. Now, though, I'm much more intentional with making time for myself, my friends and family each week and getting out of the house and doing things with people also, I hired an assistant because there just wasn't enough hours in the day to do everything and also be intentional with those relationships.
0: So when you talk about taking certain days off during the week, do you have a particular day or days that you take off every week or does it just depend on the week?
1: It varies based on the week. So my, I have an assistant that comes in Monday, Tuesday and Thursday. So those are kind of set work days. Now Wednesday, sometimes I have to just crank out work and get things done. I typically always take Friday off, unless I have a shoot or something that needs to get done. But again, I just try to be really intentional each week with making sure that I do have a couple off days.
0: Yeah, blocking that time off—that's that's so important. It keeps us fresh, keeps it minimizes the, the possibility of burnout, and ultimately makes time for the important people in our life. And to that point, actually, I noticed something. I think it was maybe on Instagram um, that I was I noticed that you vacation with kind of your extended family is that right
1: Yes oh yes i love vacationing my family takes two big trips every year we go somewhere around christmas time and then my birthday is the first week of july and so we always go somewhere big for that as well and then my boyfriend's actually a pilot so i get the opportunity to travel Whoa. a good bit just for fun
0: That's that's really cool i you know there's I have a well, first of all, I have three younger brothers, so a relatively large family, six of us all together. We traveled a lot growing up. Um, I love that experience of being able to kind of all be in the same place and do things together, or at least just to spend time together. And I, and I like that you prioritize that. It seems kind of unusual these days, or maybe people just aren't talking about it as much. But I, I noticed that it was unusual. I think it's a really beautiful thing. Where did you get to go for your birthday recently?
1: Um, So I turned 30, and we actually went to Napa and Sonoma in San Francisco. And then following that, I went and spent a few days in Mexico.
0: Wow. Well, good for you. That's really, really (laughs) cool. And happy birthday to you. Slightly belated, but um, happy birthday to you. It sounds like it was a pretty great time.
1: Thanks. Yes, it it was a great time.
0: So talk to me about an impactful business or self-help book. And I don't know if you are a reader, especially on the go. I mean, you're doing all that traveling that you were just referencing Is there a particular book that comes to mind that's made a really big impact in your life in in the last few years?
1: Yeah, definitely. One of my favorite self-help books is the Maxwell Leadership Bible by John Maxwell. Okay. Um, There's a quote in it that says, if you can become the leader, you ought to be on the inside. You will be able to become the leader you want to be on the outside people want to follow you. And when this happens, with God's help, you'll be able to tackle anything in this world. Mm. Um, This is just a great resource for how to become a godly leader and how God is glorified when we accept our roles as leaders and also empower others to do the same.
0: So what does it mean? And maybe this is a too loaded a topic to get into in much detail right now. But what does it mean to be a leader on the inside or for yourself on the inside before you take that outside?
1: Um, really just making sure everything is right in your heart. So like, what are your intentions? What are your motivations? Mm. What's driving you? So if your intentions are good, and you want the good for others, then I mean, your heart is, you know, in a good place. But if you are somebody who is just trying to start a business, and it's all about you, and it's not, not about others, at the end of the day, it's how you can be greater and not how you can serve others, then ultimately, I don't feel like the Lord's going to bless that. And I really feel like the Lord's hand has been on my company because I feel like it's not been about myself. And that was really important. And you have to take checkbacks because, you know, some people will come up to me and be like, you've started this great thing and it's so big and all of this. And they'll give me praise, but really it's not about that. It's been, you know, about this team and I have just the greatest team and yeah. That's what I'd probably say about
0: that. That's really cool, and and I know that I've uh, our listeners probably have noticed I've mentioned uh, my friend Sean Austin as of late a little bit more. But we've had Sean on the podcast a number of times. Uh, he is the CEO over at Kiss, of course, an album company, and this is something that he has talked about as well. And I have so much respect for this that, that, that you've made this a priority, Katie. That the idea that you invest in your team. And how that ultimately just naturally comes back to benefit your business. And, and it's about something that's bigger than just you. I have a lot of respect for that. I think it's a lesson that we can all take something away from. But we'll make sure to link to that book in the show notes again. And for those of you listening in, just to reiterate, B O K E H podcast.com, we put out show notes. Haley, more specifically, who produces this podcast, puts out show notes to go along with each episode. So make sure you take advantage of the resources that we're linking to in the show notes there at com let's talk photography for just a second. I'd be curious to know what the most unusual item in your camera bag is that enables you to be a better photographer. And this doesn't have to be a camera or lens or flash. It could be totally something random. What comes to mind?
1: Yeah. In my camera bag on wedding days, I always have fans when it's hot outside. Okay, I have touch up powder. I have lip gloss, deodorant, blotting wipes for when the couple starts getting sweat beads on their face, (laughs) as well as Tied to go, just in case the bride gets anything on her dress. Since I live in the south, the humidity is awful. So being prepared for the heat allows us to stay outside longer for my couples to stay looking fresh and for us to capture even more photos.
0: Yeah, this is this is definitely something I can relate to. So I, some of our listeners know I shot weddings for over ten years, and the majority of that time I spent shooting in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and it is the humidity down here where Katie and myself are is just overwhelming at times. I mean, literally you walk yes. outside and, and you just begin to sweat without doing anything. It's, it's so incredible. So fans, do you have a particular brand of like portable fan that you bring along that you can recommend?
1: I am not hundred percent on the brand, but if you Google and go to Amazon, there's these fold up fans. They are black and they fold in half, yeah. but they're big. They're about $12 a piece. I bring three with me on all wedding days. So really? my groom has one, my bride has one and I have one.
0: No way. That's really cool. Okay. This is a brilliant idea. Are these one of the, the those fans that also kind of spray water out as well, or is that a different kind?
1: I don't have the ones that spray water out because obviously I don't want to ruin my bride's makeup or anything <laughs> like that. Yes. Fair. So I, I just have the ones that are, they're, they're pretty wide. Um, they're probably three to four inches wide, actually like the fan portion of it. And they are just great because they're really powerful. They have three different settings and that will just help eliminate a lot of those sweat bubbles. And then that will help me with post with editing. So that I'm not having to photoshop all of those sweat bubbles out.
0: Yeah, well, and, and just going to the the extra effort of thinking about your clients and how they feel too, the fact that you can just pull out those fans and hand one to them I think is a really great thing in it and it'll make that much more an impact than the experience that you're creating for them. I think it's a great recommendation. So, I'm sure Haley will be able to find a link to the Amazon link to these. We'll put those in the show notes if anybody's curious. Make sure um, you grab a fan or two the next time, especially if you're living in the South or anywhere that's really warm. Well, I want to get into our topic for today, talking about a team. Now, we've talked about having a team of photographers, developing a team of photographers. Today, I want to get into a bit more detail about the process of delegation to a team of photographers, which... Can be a little bit of a tricky topic. I mean, I, I've even been learning this as of late as a business owner of you know 20 years or so. It, it is an interesting topic because of the challenge when it comes to communication, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, for those of you who are curious, if you go to belightphotography.com, go to the about page, and you can scroll down there and see a picture of uh, the team of photographers at Be Light. And first of all, I and I mentioned this to you in my notes, Katie, but you all have the most. Good looking team of photographers that had some of the most good looking that I've, I've seen to date. Honestly, you guys look like you're straight off a magazine or something like that. There's this picture <laughs> of you all on top of a, a building top, it looks like. But how long, how many, first of all, are on your team, just to give kind of context to the conversation? And what are the various roles that you have assigned?
1: Yeah, well, thank you. And um, yes, I love having a team. So on my team today, I have six employees. I have four other lead photographers, so five including myself. I have one videographer, and then I have an administrative assistant. And it's great because we can take on multiple weddings each weekend, and also it's great being able to bounce ideas off each other and grow this company together. Um, So this year we will actually shoot over 90 weddings all over the globe, and there's no way I could do that on my own, so having a team is the best.
0: Wow, okay. So, and you alluded to this earlier kind of when you began to consider having a team. Is this something that you wanted to do from the get-go when you started your photography business? What was the turning point that led to hiring a team?
1: Yeah. So, when I was starting my company and was praying through what it would look like, I just felt the Lord saying that this is company is going to be bigger than just you, and it wasn't about me. Yeah. That's why I named it Be Light Photography and didn't include my name in it. Granted, at that point, I didn't really know what it was going to look like. But after a year and a half of starting my company, I got to the point where I was having to turn down so many weddings because I was so booked up. I counted and it was 40 weddings that I turned down just because I can only take one per day. So I was talking to my dad. He's a great businessman. He approached me about it and was like, why don't you hire someone else so you can stop turning away all this business? So it was at this point, I started praying about it. And shortly after I met Stephanie, she second shot a wedding with me in 2015 and instantly felt this peace and connection with bringing her on. And at that time, she had just finished up school and was shooting more lifestyle work. And it was just a great fit for her as well. She loved the creative side of photography, but not necessarily the business side of photography. Mm. And she's actually been with me now for four years. And since then, we have grown our team each year.
0: Wow. Okay. So, so within the span of four years, then you've gotten to the place that you are right now. Is there, I guess, first of all, I want to kind of go back because you you said 40 weddings that you had to turn down, you generated business really, really quickly in a relatively short amount of time. I, I have to ask what the impetus or not even the impetus, what the cause of that incredible amount of business coming your way was, what were you doing that generated that much?
1: Yeah, um, my background is actually marketing. And so I've worked for several companies in marketing, and I was actually a director of marketing for a ministry school at the time, in doing both. I just really dug into everything. I invested in the top gear right away. I just did everything. I really pushed my name out there. I would reach out to people on social media if I saw that they got engaged. And I was just really intentional with making sure my name was going out or my company's name was going out. I did my first three weddings for relatively cheap. Uh, my first two, I shot for 600 And my third, I got up to 2000 and then after, obviously our numbers are much different today sure in a lot higher rate however it was just taking opportunities and chasing after opportunities and being intentional with just reaching out to people and you know, showing them what I could do, and then based off that, it just kind of spun. Once you shoot somebody's wedding and they love their photos, they love the experience, then their bridesmaids use us or their family members use us, um, and really, that's still the model that we use today. Is now I'm not necessarily having to reach out to people like I used to. We post on social media, but we don't pay for any advertising. It's more just word of mouth. We shoot a wedding, and we're going to get. Pretty much all their bridesmaids weddings, um, as well as a lot of their family members, just because they've loved the experience. They love the photos. And that's also opened up doors for us to travel as well.
0: Wow. And what's the craziest place that your team is going to travel this year?
1: Um, This year, I think our furthest, we've had a couple California weddings. We're shooting in Mexico. I believe Mexico and California are probably the two furthest. We've shot in Texas, North Carolina, New York, South Carolina. Um, Last year, we actually got to work in Europe, and that was pretty cool.
0: Wow! Yeah, I can imagine. So, yeah. I can imagine. But having this team enables you to be able to have a further reach. Uh, word of mouth. Obviously, you're creating a really wonderful experience, and probably tapping into a really wonderful network too. The fact that you don't have to run ads to get the business speaks highly of your brand. But I, I want to talk about how to even manage a team. And let me kind of give some context here. You know, that the, the and, and I know this firsthand largely because I own a post production company this process of giving something handing something over to somebody else to do that you normally would have controlled yourself overseen yourself maybe even done yourself is a bit of a nerve-wracking process right you're not sure if that thing is going to be done just as good as you might have done it you're concerned about the reflection on your brand and so this idea of delegating something saying something to somebody else hey will you do this thing for me It can be a little nerve-wracking, in fact, very nerve-wracking for, I think, a lot of photographers, artist types who see their work as kind of their baby. Were you always a natural delegator or was this something that you kind of learned over time?
1: If you ask my family, they would say yes. I've always loved starting things and making things happen. However, I love working with others. So no matter who you are, what you do, I feel like we all have some type of leadership in us. And with leadership comes learning how to delegate. You can't do everything yourself. And if you want to make something really great and grow, you have to learn how to bring others along with you and delegate some things out.
0: That's beautifully said and, and really wonderfully summed up as well. And that's true. If we want to create something that is going to grow, that's sustainable, and that ultimately is bigger than us, then we don't have a choice but to delegate. And honestly, I've been kind of reminded of the significance of this idea of delegation, even as of late, as my company is growing and we're getting ready to launch another brand. I simply can't do it all on my own. And I'm lucky enough to have a lovely team to work with as well. And I'm learning even more the significance of delegating to them for the sake of growth. And And already you're seeing wonderful results from this. So this can't be emphasized enough. And, and, you know, this is, I have to, uh, communication uh, is just very simply, at the root of this process of delegation, Um, can you comment just briefly on the idea of communication? Again, has that always been a strength of yours or what's been the biggest challenge when it comes to communication?
1: Yeah. um, Like communicating with my team, you mean?
0: Yeah. I guess very simply just, Hey, you know, I need you to do whatever that is, fill in the blank. How do you effectively communicate that thing, that task or series of tasks or the project in a way That makes sense to the other person, because that's one of the biggest challenges, um, at least for me personally, anyway, has been the uh, the process of communicating in a way that actually resonates with the other person. We've seen this with photographers edit as well, for example, where a photographer hires us to do editing and and they say, uh, I need you to do whatever it is, you know, fill in the blank, such and such, do this thing. But there's not enough detail there to really, truly communicate what it is they're looking for. And then we find out after the fact that we're not able to match what they were looking for because they assumed it internally, but they didn't communicate it effectively. So I'd, I'd love for you to comment on this idea of communication when it comes to delegation.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think first and foremost, you have to, you know, when you're delegating, you have to state your expectations and what that looks like. But I also think you need to go alongside and help people with things. So for instance, my photographers, when they come on to our team, they'll make the timeline, they'll then show up for the day, they'll shoot the wedding, and then they'll do the editing. At the beginning stages, though, they'll go through and we'll go through a series of processes. They'll send me 60 to 100 DNGs of different lighting situations throughout the day. They'll send me their edits, and then we'll go back and forth. And I'll, you know, hey, I want my gre- the greens to be a little different. I want the skin tones to be this. And we'll go back with corrections. And so... With communicating, it's really, I really, instead of just having to do it and me just go and make all those changes on my own, yeah. I have to, I typically make videos of what I'm doing for them and show them, okay, this is what I'm changing and this is why I'm changing. So I'm not That's just cool. communicating, or I'm not just doing it, but I'm also communicating. So each wedding, they get better and better and then they'll be able to get more consistent with what you know my expectation is for our brand.
0: So you mentioned something there that, that stands out to me, which is this process of ongoing communication, because it's one thing to you know, maybe you've effectively communicated in detail what it is that you're looking for up front. But the reality is we're talking about a relationship when it comes to delegation, right? I mean, I, I think back to like when I went and worked retail, for example, years and years ago, I didn't go on the the Dillard's floor, this shopping uh, or this closed store and they expected me to sell without giving me any kind of instruction, number one, up front, certainly. But then two, ongoing instruction about the process. This is how you do this thing or that thing. I do it. Maybe they have further feedback after that. But the key here is not just communication up front, but ongoing communication, understanding that's going to be the process, having patience for that fact, and that this is a long-term relationship. It keeps. It requires ongoing communication. And, and so I'm glad that you emphasize that. Again, this holds true, whether it is a relationship with a significant other or a professional relationship with a third party who you're delegating work to or an in-house assistant, as you're describing, Katie. And uh, it's a really important principle for everybody listening in to remember. But I when I talk about communication this is probably the biggest challenge for me because I think I'm a good communicator and then I realize I need to to change things up a little bit. What's the biggest challenge for you in the process of delegating to others who represent your brand?
1: Yeah, definitely. The biggest challenge would definitely be trust. Um mm. I have to trust that they are going to a show up to each wedding B, represent my company well, and then deliver the same high-quality work that I would do if I was doing the wedding myself. Thankfully, I have an incredible team and haven't had any issues with that. But definitely, when you're starting a team, trust is definitely the hardest with delegation because you know how well you'll do it, and then you have to have that expectation of excellence for them and then trust that they're going to deliver that.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned expectation of excellence. I think that in and of itself, as a good leader... It creates confidence in the other person. If you're actually demonstrating trust and you say, you know what, you're incredible. And I expect you not expect you in this kind of nagging, sitting back and, you know, hands on your hips waiting kind of way. But I expect you because I I have confidence in your ability to do this really, really well. I I bet that that instills confidence in your team that's working with you and makes a big difference. And I, I think that's really important.
1: Yeah, most definitely.
0: So talk to me about really what comes to mind are the, the most important principles that our listeners, if, they, if they're interested in even just doing something as simple as hiring an admin assistant, or maybe they want to begin to build a photographic team that they can delegate assignments to, what are the most important principles that our listeners should keep in mind in order to make that process of delegation as smooth as possible?
1: Yeah, I would say, number one, make sure you have the right people on your team. Don't just hire anyone, but really be prayerful about who you have representing your company and make sure they will represent your company with excellence. Mm. Next, I would say, train your team well and be available to help them when they need it. Don't just send them off and let them figure it out on their own, but be someone they can come to when they need help and really invest in helping your team grow. And finally, I would say leave room for grace. No one is perfect. So if they aren't getting their edits right away or struggling in some area, help them get there and love them along the way. Um, you always want to make your team feel loved and valuable. And that's how you'll get the most return for your team. Because if you're investing in them and you're loving on them, then they're going to want to strive for that excellence. And they're going to want to meet that expectation that you're looking for. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, this is really good. And I want to go back to each point. First of all, you talked about hiring carefully. Have you come up with a process of sorts for hiring to make sure that you are hiring the right person?
1: Um, So I've actually been really, really blessed with just the right people kind of coming along. Hmm. And so for instance, Stephanie wasn't somebody that I was looking or seeking out. I was kind of praying about hiring and bringing somebody on. But I just had a piece with working with her that she was a good fit. And then same for the next, Hannah was my second um, hire, and then Stephanie and Kristen, or Madison and Kristen, and they were just all people that kind of came in my path, so I've been really fortunate with that, but as far as assistance and hiring a, a, somebody to do administrative work, that was a little different. I did have to do interviews and you know kind of weed out some people to bring the right person onto my team, and I've had some assistants come and go, so that's looked a little different, but you know, really... Of investing into their heart, seeing what their goal is, what is their end result, and what they're wanting. And somebody you always want people on your team who strive for excellence, you don't want somebody who is going to come on and just be complacent, or this isn't really their passion, they're just trying to fill this as an in between to get somewhere else. Uh So, when I hire someone, I want to make sure that this is their end goal, like if what is your passion? And what, if you could see 10 years from now, what you could be doing, if it's not wedding photography, like, I don't know if I necessarily want you on my team because I want somebody who loves where they're at now and also strives to be doing that in the future, whether they are doing that in the future, or if, you know, God has a door that opens or closes elsewhere. I still want people that are very passionate about what they do.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I, you know, I, I have to kind of be transparent here when it comes to the hiring process. I'm I I think I'm a little too easy. I, I assume the best of people and I like to kind of make a decision and just go for it. And you do have to be careful. I mean, you talked about hiring carefully, um, intentions are something to be considered for sure, because, and, and we'll get to your third point here in a second about grace. It's one thing to, to go through this process of training. And obviously people are going to make mistakes as they're learning what you're looking for. Ultimately, you got to be patient with them. They'll figure it out. They'll learn and, and ultimately be a really great addition to the team. But that, that intention, the heart behind it all up front is, that's not necessarily something that you can always read accurately just you know, from one meeting or maybe even a couple of meetings. So you, you talked about that there was a little bit more challenge in the process of hiring an admin assistant. What did that look like? Did you ask particular questions? How were you able to kind of gauge their heart and their intentions?
1: Yeah, definitely. So when I was hiring, I actually um, just hired on a new assistant. And when I was hiring, one of my things was I did not want to bring somebody onto my team that this was just a in-between for the next job. I wanted somebody to come on my team that I wasn't going to train. And then all of a sudden, four months later, they found a better opportunity. Okay. You know, admin and being an assistant isn't always the most glamorous job, but there are people that truly like that is their passion, that is their calling. They love, you know, give me a checklist and let me check all those things off the list um, versus that's where they're going to thrive. And so I wanted to make sure that whoever I hired was going to thrive in that type of environment.
0: That's good. Okay, so then the second point you said, hiring carefully to training well. I'm making notes here, so I'm just reading from my notes. But training well, and you know, this brings me back to to their earlier point that you were making about trust. I was I was thinking about. are You familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk? I'm not. Okay, so Gary is is a bit of a marketing guru and and has kind of a, a cult following, if you will. Uh, just he's he's got a really really great heart, a bit of a mouth, so he's kind of hard to listen to, maybe for some, but. Um, One of the things he talks about as the the CEO and owner of a company that is quite large at this point, I think between 800 and 1,000 employees, and um, is doing very, very well. One of the things he talked about that I heard not very long ago was the significance of taking responsibilities. Like if something goes wrong, it's ultimately on me. And I, I, that, yeah. was, that was an interesting, very weighty kind of reality to consider. But when we talk about the idea of training well, if somebody that we've brought on our team is not performing well, sure, there could be a character issue there, maybe something deeper that needs to be addressed, maybe in some way, they were just not a good fit for the company. But a lot of it just has to do with training well. And this goes back to the idea of delegation and the significance of really good communication. Uh, Is there a have you come up with a training manual of sorts? How do you go about training somebody who's coming on board your team?
1: Yeah, definitely. So it looks different for the role that they're coming on to. So if they're coming on as a photographer, that is actually the easiest for me to train because obviously that is what I do as well. Sure. And so with that, there's, we'll have some, I mean, most of the people that come on, they're pretty, they're all high level shooters. They've shot in some capacity for a while, but they just haven't done a ton of weddings. They've done more lifestyle work. So I really want them to come along and second shoot with me to figure out and see kind of how I do things. So I want to be, I don't want to just lead by telling them, but I want to lead by example and I want them to see firsthand how I how I would approach different situations. And then as far as just in-house training, you know, if one, if one of my team members is not as good as shooting in low light situations, well, we're gonna have opportunities where I'm gonna create opportunities for her to come in and let's learn how to shoot. If this is the scenario, how are we gonna shoot in this scenario? If this is the scenario, how are we gonna shoot in this? And really like hands on and then let not just me set their camera and do it, but them set it and then them come up with solutions for how they're going to make the images as best. As possible, and then as far as editing goes with training, it goes back and forth. Two of my girls, I don't have to touch their edits; they have been with me for several years. They they've got it. The other two, I'm still going back and forth with edits, and they'll send me their DNGs, and then and sometimes they're right on. Other times, I'll be like, "Oh, the greens are a little off, or the skin tones are off, or this is a little off," and we'll fix and we'll work at it to get there. But I like to have that hands on approach that. You know, I'm there with they when they need me. And if there's if they're struggling with a client that has an issue with this, or a mom wants this, I am happy to go in and help them get to the solution to that problem. Yeah. Um, so really, I feel like you just need to be available to a train them, but also just be available for when situations arise.
0: That's good. Yeah, the availability factor really resonates with me because I, I'm I very much enjoy the idea of delegation, partially for the benefit that comes with it which is time right you have time to whether just free time or time to spend on other areas either of your, of your business that that maybe require your involvement or more of your involvement or you have more time to go spend with the significant people in your life whatever it is it's time but the reality is that at least at the outset There needs to still be some involvement. Um, They need to understand that they can reach out to you for that help. And again, this goes back to the significance of ongoing communication, not necessarily just once said and done, but that there's ongoing communication, ongoing feedback, and patience with that process, which is a natural segue to the last point that you made, which is the significance of grace and remembering that we are not only have we all been in a place where we're learning a new job, but that we are all learning. And realizing that perfection is not a thing. And as long as mm-hmm. everyone's heart is in the right place, there's a willingness to learn and to improve. Then I, th- that grace will only further encourage a loyalty to your brand and ultimately encourage that that idea of trust from your side, too. So that's really, really good. Just to give context here as we close to our listeners in this process of training, how long would you say that it takes for you to onboard a photographer who's kind of learning all of your systems?
1: Yeah, uh, everyone has been a little bit different for timing. You know, I've had somebody get it everything within six months and I've had others that have taken over a year. So everybody looks a little bit different in how they see color. So it also depends on how long have they been a photographer yeah. and how long have they been editing a certain way. So, you know, a lot of none of the other photographers, they don't come onto my team already knowing exactly how I edit and exactly how I like skin tones and exactly how I want the B, the B light photography look to look like. So that's really a training process. And for some people it comes a lot more naturally. Like they get it, they see the skin tones, but for others, They've been adding a little bit more magenta to their skin tones versus, you know, I want our skin tones to look a little bit more creamy and different things like that. So each photographer has taken a different length of time, anywhere from six months to really probably a year and a half.
0: Okay. Well, I just, I, that helps to, for our listeners to have a little bit of context. If they're considering training somebody to come on their team, if for no other reason than just to give them perspective in that process, hey, look, it's not going to happen right off the bat. It is a process. And speaking of perspective yeah. you've you've given really wonderful perspective to that process and more specifically to the process of delegation today and I really appreciate you making time for the podcast to, to share with our listeners can you just one more time in closing share with our listeners where they can follow you your brand and uh, what your team is doing online
1: Yeah definitely so our website is belightphotography.com and it's b e the word b the word lightphotography.com as well as com, and that's for our film photography as well as on Instagram. We're at photography and at fine art photography.
0: Perfect. And we'll put all of that in the show notes at Bocapodcast.com. Uh, Katie, this has been really wonderful. You have a really wonderful presence about you. I'm not surprised that you are in the position of leading photographers and I appreciate you setting that example for us and making time for the podcast today.
1: Of course. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thank you so much for listening to The Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at photographersedit.com The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.